Glad to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show. Continuing on. And a big day today. Uh, you get to tonight, anyway. You get... Uh, you get the schedule release for the Green Bay Packers. You also have the Bucks get a win. The the Brewers off day today, so not a whole lot going on in the uh, Bucks and Brewers realm. But you do get the NFL schedule release tonight. You're going to find out the majority of uh, remaining on the road games, if you will, for uh, for the Green Bay Packers. So excited about that. But to talk a little bit more about um, the Green Bay Packers in the sense of wide receivers and some of the free agents that might be out there and uh, can help them and schedule matchups and such. Our buddy Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus now joining us on the hotline. Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. So we know pretty much of uh, the home schedule as uh, the NFL is the worst kept secret around what uh, the schedule is actually going to be. But uh, the fact is that they're going to get the Cowboys, they're going to get the Patriots, uh, they're going to play the Dolphins on Christmas Day. We know the regular schedule when it comes to the Vikings and the Bears and the Lions and such. But uh, the Green Bay Packers coming into this season, do they go out and make another move for another free agent wide receiver or a trade before it's all said and done, said and done gut feeling? I don't think they will, truthfully. Uh, just because looking at the roster right now, I'm not sure there's really spots available. Like they They already have guys that they want and they go, they go five deep already of guys that are going to make the roster. So uh, maybe uh, I, I'm not going to obviously put it out of the question, but I think the reason they went up and made that play for Christian Watson is because they felt good about their wide receiver room as is. And obviously Romeo dubs, you want him to make the team as a fourth rounder as well. So they already got names. They already got guys there. So I would be hard, hard pressed to see them add more to this wide receiver room. The uh, the thought is is that maybe they pick somebody up midseason if if they feel they need somebody or need that extra. At that point, there might be somebody lurking around out there. Do you see some of the other guys, Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry, OBJ, for that matter? Even though he's not going to be ready come training camp, do you see them being like like sitting there until midseason until somebody needs them? Well, the two guys I could definitely see that being the case for is one Odell Beckham because obviously the ACL. And he's not going to probably, you know, tearing that in the Super Bowl when he did, probably not have a full season no matter what. So he's going to want to pick and pick a situation that's going to make him look as good as possible going into what would likely be then another contract year because it's probably going to be a one-year deal for Odell. So him and then the other guy who, you know, no one really wants to talk about and may not even get a look from the Packers or anyone else is Antonio Brown. Obviously cut or from the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, has had his ups and downs or whatever, but I, I think he's going to be available, and obviously he's still going to want to play football. It is talented enough for someone to still bite the bullet and do so. So uh, that, those are the two names that I would expect maybe still available midseason. Do you think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I can't imagine anybody after the antics that Antonio Brown pulled walking off the field or running off the field the way he did, do you think there might be the old uh, wink and a nod, unwritten rule, nobody's going to pick this guy up? I, I do think so. But then also, we see it every year, the desperation. Someone's going to have injuries. Someone's going to have a need at the wide receiver position. And I do think he catches back on because when the dude's on a football field, he's good. So uh, I do think someone's going to try to put up with a headache. Maybe it's only for like half a season to do so. But I, I do think someone's still going to try to sign him. So the Packers bolstered the offensive line, which I thought was a huge move. They needed that just because of security more than anything. Uh, but in addition to doing that, 
They also, in my opinion, did some good things for special teams. How do you see the trickle-down effect uh, for Rich Bisaccia coming into this team and taking over as a special teams coordinator? How much better do you think they are? I mean, they have to be. You can't be worse. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Good point, uh, good so, point. Like, they're going to be considerably better just from a coordinator standpoint, obviously, with Rich Bisaccia's history uh, as special teams coordinator. And then, you know, where they looked at in the draft. So, yeah, they're going to take a massive step forward. Uh, in a number of different ways, I would expect next year. Then uh, I look at Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers. I said that I think the onus with the with the offense, and specifically the wide receivers, the way they call the offense, the way they scheme guys open, it's always been incumbent upon Matt Lafleur to, to to call a good game plan. But I think with the ability of Aaron Rodgers and just the I can throw it up to Devontae at any point in time, that's always been there. Now it has to be executed more. I would say precisely. Correct. Yeah, I do think a lot of what they ran last year was predicated on were kind of options to get Devontae Adams his looks, honestly. Like they, they would set up with either the pre-snap motion or how they were running the routes to where a lot of guys were running, I don't want to call it, say not real routes, but like rub-off routes to get Devontae Adams his space or kind of just clear-out routes to get Devontae his space. And it's just going to look much different this upcoming season because there's no guy who – I don't care how much space you give them. You're really going to trust to consistently win one-on-one the way Devontae Adams did. I mean, that doesn't exist anywhere in the NFL. So it's going to have to be a much more diverse offense and have to uh, have a lot more options in terms of where Rodgers can go on any given play this upcoming season. Packers, uh, with all the eyes on Aaron Rodgers, only two noon home games that we know of, and the rest of the games, uh, well, I take that back, only two noon games so far, one of those being on the road for the Dolphins, that's on Christmas Day, and the other one being against the Jets. Everything else is either, you know, after late afternoon or primetime games, which is to be expected, and the London game at 8.30 in the morning. That being said, so the the, the Christmas Day games, I, is, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't there only like three of them that day? Uh, I haven't, I can't remember off the top of my head, sorry. Okay, wasn't positive. Wasn't wasn't positive. So defensively speaking, how much better is this team today than they were going into the draft? I know a bunch of guys that uh, you know come into the draft and get into the NFL. They're unproven commodities, but there seems to be a sense of oh my god, this team is incredibly deep now. Yeah, and not just the draft. I mean, I and Jaron Reed uh, defensive tackle group because they were so thin at that position last year. So Kenny Clark was never fresh. You know, had to play a ton of snaps. You just want a better rotation to get your best players on the field when it matters most and have them be fresh when that is the case. And I think they have a much better chance of doing so this year. And then obviously just guys returning. You're going to have Jair Alexander for the entire season, hopefully. I mean, you're going to have a much better, uh, more complete secondary now with Eric Stokes going into year two. You know, he was only just a rookie last year as a first-rounder and played well. So I do think there's a lot of reason to believe that this is the best defense since, you know, 2010 that Green Bay's had. I think 2014 probably holds that crown as of now, but this is this is a darn good defense, at least on paper, heading into the season. I want to go back to the wide receiving core real quick. You talked about Romeo Dubs, uh, but I want to talk more about the second year of a guy like Amari Rodgers. What do we? What should we expect from Amari Rodgers coming into this season? Yeah, that one was head-scratching. Why he couldn't see the football field, because just me as an evaluator, one of his sort of, best traits was his route running i mean i believe uh like he he should have been a guy who was nfl ready in in a number of different ways and obviously playing with quarterback like trevor lawrence and that clemson offense like the volume he got like i expected him to hit the ground running more so so that 
so uh, projecting into year two then it's like well i expected you know nfl readiness year one so uh, a little worrisome that that never came to fruition i, I do still think he's reliable as a route runner from the slot you know at this point in his career i'd rather have him in terms of dynamism than a guy like randall cobb and i like his versatility in terms of you know being able to move into the backfield and take handoffs which is you know not all the rage now at the wide receiver position apparently after debo samuel so I do think he'll get more involved, but I really have no answers to why that never came, like I said, came in year one. Talking to Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus, you can find him at PFF underscore Mike. What are the expectations now out of Christian Watson? The way I look at it is years go by, or years gone by, I should say, when Aaron Rodgers, he's only thrown, the max he's ever thrown to a rookie is 38 passes in one season. This year has to change because he doesn't have Devontae, he doesn't have Jordy, he doesn't have James Jones, he doesn't have you know Donald Dre, he doesn't have those guys. So now he's yeah. kind of forced to throw to the young guys. So what, do we, what should we expect out of Christian Watson? I would, best case scenario, or what you hope he brings to the table is to replace what MVS brought last year. And that's just the type of routes he was running and the overs, posts, goes, kind of downfield, the speed routes, the vertical stretching of the offense. That was what MVS did. And it was a much different offense when he was in play versus when he was hurt last year. And I obviously saw that down the stretch. So I do think he at least brings that to the table, something that they quite literally had to have in the offense, why they obviously sold out to go get it with Christian Watson. So I think he can replace that. I, I, that's like a 800 yards, 50 catch type of season, but that's still a very valuable role in the offense. Does Christian Watson have MVS ability? Is he a good comparison or is he better? Is he not as sure as hand? Cause I know uh, the knock on Christian Watson is there are times when he gets, comes up with the drops, but that was the same thing with MVS when he first came into the league. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they really are similar. I do think Watson has a little more juice in him. Like his top end and ability to accelerate is a little bit better than MVS's. And he can also go up and get it better than MVS. Like he, he, MVS was kind of a ground player. You rarely saw him, you know, leaping over guys on the sideline. That sort of thing. I have, I think Watson has a little bit of that to his game. So he's kind of a souped up version of MVS, obviously not going to be NFL ready, similar to how, MVS was coming out where he didn't make much of an impact until a little later on in his rookie contract. But yeah, I, I do think, like I said, a little souped up version of MVS is what you can expect. Everything I read and everything I see and the people that want to discuss the NFL says this is going to become a more run-oriented offense and it's going to be hard to kind of corral Aaron Rodgers. And so I, as much as I want to say, yeah, it'll be a more run-oriented offense, I don't know what the offensive line is going to bring. And I cannot imagine taking the ball out of the hands of the two-time MVP. I, I, I just, I, I kind of almost refuse to believe that this is all of, a, all of a sudden going to become a 35, you know, carry a game offense. Do you? No, I don't think so. I think it's going to not run-oriented, but running back-oriented in that you might see Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon on the field a lot together even because those are your your two best weapons now at this point. You you just don't have a number of guys you can trust to do stuff, and that obviously we've seen A.J. Dillon lead block and do things like that, and obviously he's very capable at his size of doing that. So those guys are versatile. Those guys have that ability that they bring to the table that I do think if you're going to get creative, you're going to want those two on the football field. And it's not just handing them the football, it's throwing them the football too, as they're both very capable receivers. So I do think that's where it's going to go is you're going to see the offense run more through them in terms of screens, swing passes, versatility of them, but not just, it's still going to rely on Aaron Rodgers, his mind and his ability to 
get the ball accurately out in the perimeter is, is not something you're just going to throw away by running the ball 30 times a game. Nobody talks about it, but how detrimental is it to lose your two inside confidence in Luke Getze, the quarterback coach, and Nathaniel Hackett, your offensive coordinator, when things were really starting to matriculate offensively? How big of a loss is that behind the scenes, in your opinion? I think it's big. I don't think it's that massive, though, especially when the head, you know, the top of the pyramid is an offensive-minded head coach. I think it's big in situations where, you know, like go back to Atlanta when they lost Kyle Shanahan. Losing guys like that when they were in charge of that side of the ball, that's worrisome to me. But everything still ran through LaFleur. And so now you just get, yeah, you love to have continuity in year on year, but now you get fresh ideas in there for an offense that's obviously in need of fresh ideas because it's going to have to look differently in 2020. Uh, real quick before I let you go, best team in the NFC. Who do you think it is? That one's a tough one. I, I'm worried about the 49ers because Trey Lance is the wild card there. If he's good, you know, if he's worthy of the number three overall pick, has the, the breakout second year that we've seen from a lot of these quarterbacks, they are the best team in the NFC, in my opinion. But as it stands right now, I think the Bucks have to be considered the best team in the NFC, at least the most complete team. They just did such a good job of maintaining their talent that uh, I think they have to take that spot. Is it just that the, the Rams lost too much? They lost Von Miller defensively. They lose OBJ. Uh, obviously, they've lost some pieces to that team. Is it, just, is it just that or the fact that it's just so hard to repeat in the National Football League, you just can't pick them? Yeah, they lost pieces. And truthfully, I mean, they were the four seed. They, they weren't the best team in the NFC last year. The Packers were. And obviously losing Devontae Adams a massive blow, but they kind of eked out the skin of their teeth to even get to that Super Bowl. So uh, I don't think with their losses combined with the fact that, again, they probably weren't the best team just over the course of the season last year that uh, I think the Packers and the Bucks are better as it stands right now. Mike, always great to talk to you, man. We'll uh, chat down the road too, okay? For sure, Bill. Thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate it, buddy. There you go. Mike Renner, our guy from Pro Football Focus, at PFF underscore Mike, at PFF underscore Mike. Read his stuff there. Always great to, to get a chance to talk to him and, and hang out just a little bit. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Got to say hi to our friends out at Burn Pit Barbecue. Oh, my goodness, they got good stuff. Burn Pit BBQ, one of the best run, best maintained, and uh, terrific outfits via veteran-owned companies in the U.S., not just in our own backyard. And if you're looking for a barbecue sauce, if you're looking for hot sauce, if you're looking for rubs to be grilling with, they've got it all. And they're great people. They're veteran-owned, and they're based in Racine, Wisconsin. Been in business just about two years. Go to BurnPitBBQ.com. That is BurnPitBBQ.com and see for yourself. And don't forget to watch on QVC and uh, the Home Shopping Channel. They're going to be featured when it comes to uh, the military week as one of the better uh, better veteran-owned businesses. So con congratulations to them on that kind of recognition as well. Hopefully they just sell out of everything. They sell out of everything. Good stuff. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. By chance, looking for an RV, which, as we know, the summer is just about upon us and cannot wait. Cannot wait 
to get back out there. Get the big unit cruiser going all over again. Uh, we're not going to be in as many places uh, with the cruiser this year as we have been in the past, but uh, we're still going to have it. Still going to be uh, doing some stuff with uh, Sturgis and going to still be doing some stuff with Road America and such, but going to be out and about quite a bit. And if you're going to find one yourself, go to our friends at Cunis RV, K-U-N-E-S, Cunis RV. They are the fastest growing RV dealer here in the state of Wisconsin and your travel and camping experts for a motorhome, fifth wheel, camper van, travel trailer, whatever it is, they got you covered. Cunis got it all. Jayco, Alliance, Coachman, Dutchman, Forest River, Gulfstream, I can go on and on and on. Stop into one of their many RV locations all throughout the great state of Wisconsin and beyond the borders and take advantage of the uh, the summer financing right now because financing continues to go up, so get it in. And if you got a trade, that's fine. They're paying top dollar for it right now. Also, also, they take consignments. So that way you don't have to deal with the hassles of showing your own motorhome, fifth wheel, camper van, camper van, travel trailer, whatever. They got you covered. Go to Cunis, K-U-N-E-S, CunisRV.com. That is CunisRV.com. Again, Wisconsin's fastest growing RV dealer. There you have it. Um, one thing uh, Fred says, not a lot of noon games today. No, or this year, this year, no. Not Now, maybe on the road, but as far as at home, no. One, one noon game at home. That's it. How about that? Packers are a popular team, man. When you've had the best player in the National Football League the last couple of years, when you've had a lot of drama the last couple of years, when you've had a lot of interest, postseason play, uh, wins, losses, upsets, uh, you know, you, when you are a draw, that's it. That's it. You're going to get a lot of that. So you just hope that uh, everything that is being billed for the Green Bay Packers this season comes to fruition. I agree with you, though. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to give us a shout, do so. Uh, some emails to get to. I got I got to get to some of this stuff. Got to get to some of this stuff. Um, oh, by the way, uh, um, Stephen says uh, Twitch is not acting right today. I don't know. Twitch TV, I don't know what's going on there. It says we're streaming to Twitch. I beyond that, maybe it's something in their in their end of it. I have no idea. So there you go. Don't know. This one's from Mike. Mike says, uh, hey unit, uh, uh he talks about again, not a lot of home games. As a gold season ticket holder, um, which what is it, two games? Uh, which is great, don't get me wrong, but it's not an entire season. You get two gold games. He says, as a gold ticket holder, uh, he says, I just enjoy going to Lambeau Field. So what I am looking most forward to would be the Patriots game. I think uh, matching up the mind of Bill Belichick and what he's going to try to do defensively against Aaron Rodgers should be exciting, but also our defense against the new young arm of Mac Jones, a kid that, uh, a kid that came on last year and did pretty well once he got his feet under him. That should be one of the primetime matchups. Uh, I can't remember what time that game is, to be honest with you, but... Uh, I get, look, anytime Bill Belichick comes into your building with the rings that he has and the success that he has had, yeah, I would understand. I just think, you know, again, going back to the most exciting contest coming up for the Green Bay Packers at home, let's be honest, it's just McCarthy. There was so much there when Mike left and was fired and what went on then after. Remember, he was yelling at an official at a high school game and, Still had his presence known, said he was sitting in his office every day going over game film and playbooks and, you know, and just kind of, I don't want to say stewing, but 
you know, and Mike has had two his his two head coaching jobs have been two of the most storied franchises in football. You know, all that he has left to do is go coach the Giants and go coach the Steelers, and he will have pretty much knocked off four of the biggest names when it comes to franchises in football history. So, um, you know, kudos to him for getting the job, but he's under a lot of pressure this year as well. I would agree with that. Uh, this is from John. John says uh, the Bucks last night reawoke my inner buckdom. The grit they showed down the stretch was impressive. I was about to shut the game off. My wife, my wife kept yelling at me to stop yelling at the television because I was annoying her with all of my angst over this Bucks team. They just couldn't hit shots. They couldn't make plays. Giannis was uh, creating fouls. It just didn't seem right. And then all of a sudden they came back and won the game. Thank God I didn't turn the TV off. Cheers to tomorrow night. That is from John. John, uh, I think a lot of people, either if you went to bed or you just checked out, let's say. Let's say you just turned it off mid-third quarter because you just didn't, you couldn't watch any more of it. And then you probably went back to it at the end and went, oh, my God, they won that game. You were unbelievably impressed or pleasantly surprised or excitingly surprised. If you watched it, I think you were like a lot of us going, oh, boy, this just doesn't look good. And then all of a sudden it just started to materialize. And you gained a little more hope and a little more hope and a little more hope. And the Bucks were hitting threes and the Celtics were hitting twos. And you just they just kept inching back and inching back and inching back before, obviously, the last few minutes when Drew Holiday defensively took over. They made a couple of shots. They got the offensive board. Bobby Portis did. Got the, you know, I mean, it's all we've gone through it all. But... What an incredible night. And it really did, uh, for many of you that have said it, it really did erase the memory of what was two out of three losses to the Cincinnati Reds in a day in which Christian Yelich hits for the cycle and the Brewers played 11 runs. They still couldn't plate a win. So it did take away the sting of that. No Bucks, no Brewers today. Everything begins again tomorrow night. Bucks down at the Fiserv Forum. Brewers down in Miami taking on the, uh, taking on the Marlins. But I... Uh, what was really, I guess, when you look at the bigger accomplishment and, and Zach, thank you for bringing it up. He said, what's the bigger accomplishment? The Bucks getting in the win in the final minutes or Christian Yelich again, hitting for the cycle. I know this is not going to be the popular answer. Hitting for the cycle is not easy. It is rarely done in major league baseball. And you think about all the games that are played, all of the players that have at bats on a day in and day out basis. Um, the bigger accomplishment probably is Christian Yelich's cycle. Wouldn't you say, Ben, would you say that the biggest accomplishment yesterday was not the Bucks, but, but, but Christian Yelich hitting for the cycle again, even though it was against Cincinnati? No, I say it's the Bucks uh, just because of Drew Holiday's heroics. It's not like they just played great and won. It's like they literally stole a game because of a couple specific plays. Mm-hmm. I just think of all the at-bats that all players have in Major League Baseball on a day-in and day-out basis, and you hear so rarely about somebody hitting for the cycle. It happens, what, five times, seven times a year in all games that are played versus a basketball team coming back at the end, even if it is in game five. Um, I just think about the rarity of it. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the enormity of the moment now. That, by far, is in the Milwaukee Bucks' favor. The enormity of the moment because of what it meant. But just the accomplishment itself uh, for what Christian Yelich did, uh, it can't go unrecognized. 
Yeah, but then Yelich posted another video about it. And if you remember last time he posted a video of a highlight, it was after that grand slam. And then he didn't get another hit for a week. So we'll see. <laughs> um, well, let's hope that uh, let's hope that the last time that he did this was merely an apparition and that it does not all of a sudden give us a prelude as to what negatively is to come. Well, it's because the sure. old video was the bowling guy. It was after the Grand Slam against Pittsburgh, and then he oh, yeah. posted the mix of him and the whoever you think you are, I am guy, and then right. didn't get a hit for a week. Right. Hey, by the way, I wanted to ask you, do, do you like the look, the new look of the Larry O'Brien trophy? Did you see it? I didn't see it. The Larry O'Brien trophy has changed. Not a lot, but it is distinctive. It used to be just the ball on top of that almost triangular cylinder. It's supposed to be the rep, the ball going through the hoop. That's what it always represented. But now they've actually etched the lines of the ball on the ball. They've actually etched the net into the side of the trophy. So it looks like a ball going through the net. And what they've done is they've added a base to it, a big base. Instead of the small base that it was, um, they've added a big base to it. And on the base is all the champions, is inscribed all the champions. Kind of like the way they do it now for, like, the PGA Championship. You sit there and you wait for your name to be etched into the trophy, you know? you you They'll do that now for the Larry O'Brien Trophy, for the presentation of the Larry O'Brien Trophy. If I'm being honest, until you yeah. just said it, I had no clue it was the ball going through a net. Really? You didn't know that? No. Well, I mean, oh, now wow. that I see the lines, it makes sense. I don't know what it yeah. looked like. It just looked weird. But I kind of liked it, it, how weird it looked. Right. It, it, it kind of looks like a like a middle school travel baseball trophy now. <laughs> now it's actually bigger, too. It's a little bit bigger in size. My point precisely. Yeah, than what it was. But, it, uh, yeah, they, they – I, I don't specifically know why they did it. Because I can't ever imagine the NFL changing the look of the Vince Lombardi Trophy. I, I just I, I can't imagine that. But the Larry O'Brien Trophy, they added a look to it. They took just the gold that was very plain gold over that long, elongated triangular type of semi-cylindrical top with the ball there, and now they've actually added the lines to it that give you the visual of a ball going into the net, sitting on the front of the rim going into the net. And uh, and then, but I like the base, the history of the game, those who have won it in the past. And I like that. Uh, I think um, I think that's a representation of the history of what the, the trophy represents. It just doesn't sit somewhere with your name on it in a case. It gives you the entire history of, of who has won that and how much success there has and hasn't been in the National Basketball Association. But, uh, yeah, they changed the look of the Larry O'Brien trophy. So, Are we, anyway, just, so you mentioned ahead. the base. Are we counting the Lakers bubble ring? Uh, yes, because it is an official championship. Uh, I'm but, sure the trophy does, but in the, in the grand ire of the NBA. <sighs> Yes, and here's the reason. You know what? Yes, and I'll tell you the reason why when we come back. That's a hell of a segue right there. Yes, you have to count it, and I'll tell you why when we return. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. 
Glad to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. Back. Hanging out. Hey, a reminder, our friends over at Newell Medical Center, they uh, they got some new weight loss stuff in. They got some new programs, some new plans. They've enhanced what it is they were already doing. It's not like they just scrapped it and said, oh, that's no good. Because, no, it works. But what they did was they enhanced it. So, that being said, if you're looking for uh, to take off some of the winter weight and get ready for T-shirt season, which is pretty much here, or maybe you uh, have ED, which if you're dealing with, you know exactly what's going on. If you have, say, uh, you're moody, you're tired, you're sluggish, you're just dragging ass, for lack of a better term, and you want to stop in, check out New Mel Medical Center. 414-455-4451. Again, 414-455-4451. That's the New Mel Medical Center. And our buddy Justin, who uh, we deal with over at New Mail all the time, Justin has been on the program. And from what I understand, the picture that I saw, it looks fabulous. He has dropped a hundred, a hundo he has dropped on this program. It works. Uh, psh, believe me, I'm living proof, but but Justin went on it and just, man, bam, he's like his own self-spokesperson. Holy mackerel. But it works. So whether it's ED, low T, weight, nutrients, supplements, nutritional needs, whatever. Uh, they got you covered. Uh, and they do it for uh, the ladies, too. New Femme. New Femme. They've combined the offices now. So uh, get a hold of them. Uh, ladies, or maybe if you're the guy and you're looking at your lady going, maybe, uh, you know, it's the hot flashes and all that kind of stuff, hitting the age of 30 or 40 or 50, they, maybe they can help you out hormonally there, too. 414-455-4451. Again, 414-455-4451. That is the New Mail Medical Center. Again, 414-455-4451. Good stuff. Um, hey, Ben, so you got Christian Yelich trivia? I have a little nugget about the cycle. Okay. So that was his third cycle in his career, as, as we've mm -hmm. stated, all of them against the Reds. Right. There's, there's never been anybody in MLB history to hit four cycles in their career. So he joined another five people at the mark of three. One of those five people is currently still active in the MLB. I have no idea. National I started League. to go through this. In the National League, Bryce Harper? No. Thing is, it, it might be a guy that I probably have been more accustomed to watching because he was in the NL East for so long. But it's Trey Turner on the Dodgers. Really? The young I mean, he's still kind of young, but crazy fast shortstop. Yeah. That's just it. It can't be when you start to think about it, you think, oh, you know, somebody that's hit a home run and and that's easy. The triple is the hardest. That's the one that, you know, always usually anyway comes up short is the triple. Because you got to have wheels. you got to have power and wheels. Unless you hit it into a ballpark, say, like the, uh, the angular center field that is American Family Field or, you know, off of the pole or something like that down at, in Houston. Um, Colorado. Colorado is another one, you know, or maybe in between the walls out in uh, San Francisco, something like that, where it's just a, a weird dynamic to a ballpark. But uh, or you get one of those weird caroms down there in the uh, right field line of Wrigley. That's another one, too. But didn't I know it was Trey Turner? 
Yeah. It's, so when you start, yeah, when you start thinking about it, you start thinking of home run hitters, and you can't do that. You got to think of guys that can, got a little pop, but that can also get around the bases. The six total are Yelich, Trey Turner, Bob Musil, Babe Herman, John Riley, and Adrian Beltre. Wow. Beltre is the one that maybe surprised me. I mean, 3,000 mm-hmm. hits, but, I mean, he's not right. a burner by any means. No, but that's still elite company. And nobody's ever done it four times? Correct. Um, now you've got what? How many years left on that? Was it a 10-year extension? So what? He's got until 2030? He does on his contract, which means you start to do the math and figure how many times is he going to face the Reds. <laughs> so twenty twenty nine. How many more? Yeah, how many more times can he, Right. How many more times can Christian Yelich possibly hit for the cycle against Cincinnati? Well, you hope the Brewers win those games. Right. Exactly. You know. You know. Fourteen to eleven. Oh. Yeah, I know. Twenty five runs scored in a game. And you would figure, you know, the last time the Brewers had a, a game that was over 20, they had 18 of them, you know? And that was against Cincinnati. Yeah. How about this? The Reds were 23rd in baseball at three and a half runs a game as of Monday morning, and then they scored 28 runs in three games against the Brewers. Right. Hmm. I'm not a math major, but I think that's more than nine runs per game. Right. By the way, Greg says Rowdy ain't hitting no triple. <laughs> that's unnecessary. Yeah, Rowdy would be, yeah, that's that's a shot. But Rowdy would be, I've always said, uh, if for Rowdy to hit a triple, somebody would have to unhook the beer wagon because he's dragging one behind him. He Come would have now. to hit one. He would have to hit a, a damn near ceiling toucher, roof toucher at American Family Field that hits perfectly on the way down the carom in center field. So he is all ready to first by the time the ball hits the carom and then begins to round the first heading to second as the ball then flies off the wall, whether it be to the right or to the left, trickling relatively quickly away from the center fielder and not really, not really within reach of the left or center or left or right fielder. And uh, therefore, the throw then begins to come to third base as Rowdy is more than midway between second and third. And then at that point, when Rowdy then slides in, creates a massive trench and dust and begins to things begin to settle. At that point, I would assume and only assume that that's when the people from Bell Ambulance would run out onto the field and hit him with the paddles. I mean... (laughs) Are we not going to talk about Prince Fielder's two inside the park home runs? Yeah, that's true. Prince, I and Prince, yeah, you know what? I think Rowdy Telez might have uh, might have one leg up on Prince because Prince Prince could lumber. Prince has some quick feet though. He was short and stout. Yeah, we were he was talking, like my little teapot, short and stout. <laughs> we're talking about those splits of Telez the other week, and uh, it's like exit velo, hard contact, all that stuff right. way in the 90th percentile sprint speed second percentile yeah second to last yeah i and then the question then becomes who's slower you know i can find that out vogelbach he would be the only guy that i could think of that would be slower uh yadier molina at the age of 67 getting his arp card behind the plate delivered to him we saw albert Pujols try to steal third base yeah that was (laughs) 
<laughs> that, was, that was right up there with the dancing bear. Yeah, that was good. So those three guys come to mind. I have it. Who? So Who is slower? Rowdy Tellez is 364th overall. Okay. There are a bunch of guys slower, but some highlights. Yadier Molina, mention him. Albert Pujols is another. Miguel yeah. Cabrera. Oh, I forgot about Miguel. Just got past 3,000 hits, too. And then, there like, go. four other catchers and Giancarlo Stanton. And Vogelbach is not in that mix? No, he is 361st. Shut up. Yep. Wow. I thought for sure Vogelbach would be in the mix. Because Vogelbach has put on a few since he has left Milwaukee. Tellez, he apparently took the, uh, the cheddar with him. Yeah. 23.9 wow. feet per second. Uh, Daniel Vogelbach, 24.1. So they are literally point two away from one another. So in other words, if they said at one end of the ballpark there was a buffet at the other, they would tackle each other and beat the crap out of each other on their way to the table. I love I love me some Rowdy. Rowdy's a great guy. We gotta put him in the brat race one day. I don't know if you can get the brat suit. You ever been one of those suits? You ever been one of the racing sausages? No. Yeah, that's that's First of all, I, I don't know if they've been defunct, but the one time I did it in the middle of summer, it was a it was a smelly mess. It, yeah, those things aren't. Uh, you don't do it because of the smell. They smell like the inside of a sausage. But uh, but it's it's tough getting that on. A little bit of a tight squeeze, and all I kept thinking was, "Don't fall, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall." I was a hot dog. It was myself and some people from. Uh, from uh, some of the local companies here in town, sponsor-wise, years ago, got to do it. That was back, God, that was mid, mid, like 2005, 2006, after I started dropping a pound. I could have never gotten it on when I was 412, never. I would have looked like a sausage. They would have never gotten it off. I would have lived in it. I'd be sitting here today just like that, just, you know, either that or you, I would have died in there and you just buried me with a hot dog costume on. But uh, let's do this. Go ahead and take a quick break. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Pindell, a quality machining and manufacturing company right here in our own backyard. Uh, that not only do they do great work with, with all that kind of stuff, if you if that's what you supply uh, for your business, but they're looking for good people. So for so many people that say they want to go back to work, they're looking for good people. They really are. And they're overpaying to get quality people, too. So go to Pindell, P-I-N-D-E-L.com, Pindell.com. Again, Pindell.com, and see for yourself what I've been talking about. There's good people over there. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I use it every day. It is called the Connecticut Water Softening System, and I can't sing its praises enough. Between cleaning the shower heads, uh, once I had it installed in the house, getting rid of all the calcium deposits to the laundry, and uh, the you don't need to use anywhere near as much detergent as you used to use. Uh, you, know, you don't have to throw in two Tide Pods, just one. 
That's it. Uh, in addition to that, I mean, the water, the reverse osmosis is absolutely fantastic. And even when I have some parties, people tend to notice that when they drink water, whether it's out of the out of the refrigerator or just straight out of the, the fountain in the uh, kitchen. Uh, both awesome. And people talk about it all the time. I can't say enough about John Atley and the water doctors and what they do. But uh, I'm telling you, they, they help veterans. They support veterans through the Custom Canine Service Dog Academy. But if you want to support a great business that supports those who allow us to uh, put our heads on our pillows at night, uh, get a hold of our friend John Atley and the Water Doctors from all over, all over the uh, the area. 262-549-7733, 262-549-7733, or check it out. Go to h2theletterodoctors.com. That's h2theletterodoctors.com, and, uh, and see for yourself. They're just really, really good people. Uh, so anyway, that being said, by the way, uh, Ben, now you tell me this. Uh, I just had a buddy of mine, Justin, who who's listening up in Wausau, says Mercedes Lewis or Rowdy Telez in a foot race. Oh, I don't even want to look up the numbers because I think it's close. I would take Telez. I uh, I would feel the the worst for the ground. <laughs> just or whoever's waiting at the finish line. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole lot of dead grass after that race. I'll tell you that right now. Have you ever seen, and I, I can't do this, John, uh, but it, yeah, yeah. look, I'm not, I by no means am swift afoot at all, okay? You talk about beer wagons hooked to, hooked to somebody's ass, look, I'm, I'm carrying a truck. Uh, but have you ever seen the meme or the video, the TikTok, whatever it is, uh, of the two enormously ginormous obese guys that do the foot race? No. And they're doing it on a gravel road. And it looks like two futons with feet running. It's just, it's unbelievable. And the one guy, they take off, they start running, and there's like a voice that goes with it. It's just like this silly country voice. It makes me laugh every time I see it. Uh, But the one guy, they're both bare-chested, by the way. They're just wearing shorts and gym shoes, right? They're both huge. And the one guy gets going. He gets maybe 10 steps in, and he falls face first into the gravel. <laughs> I mean, gut first into gravel. It makes – have you ever seen something that just makes you go, oh, that hurts? And guys, you'll know what I'm talking about if you've ever seen anybody, you know, you know, hooked up right in the, right in the beans. That That's the kind of feeling you get, oh, that's got to hurt. Oh, but it's <laughs> – I got to find it. If anybody finds it, send it, send it to me. I'll just see how he responds to the load. That's all I can imagine is uh, the video stops, but that after this poor guy gets up one, his gut is just scraped up. I mean, scraped up. And then two, there has to be a divot in the earth that has to have like some kind of road grader come by and fill in. These two guys are huge in their foot racing in some backwoods area on a gravel road. And uh, the commentary, though, on TikTok, it's hilarious. Oh, my God, it's funny. Oh, man. Uh, 877-867-1670-866-867-1670. Oh, breaking news. Breaking news regarding Rich Strike, the horse from the Kentucky Derby. When we come back. Ah. Oh, no. No. 
Kind of sad, to be honest with you. There will not be a Triple Crown winner this year. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. More to come. The Bill Michael Show, final hour, next. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.